up to join this church and others, as well as be delivered from certain things. And you'll be surprised, even you being a part of a church like this, um, it, uh, this teaching will show you how you are still hesitant about certain things um, because of bad experiences. So we're going to teach on something. I thought we were going to start over on to the, the sexual part of soul ties. But this is, but we're going to do that one last in a, in a week or two, say the best for last. And, uh, but this one, we have to deal with what you call uh, church soul ties. We're going to talk about something called a charismatic witchcraft um, and how to tell when you are a part of a controlling church. Um, there are a lot of people who have soul ties to ministries that they are no longer supposed to be a part of or because they were a part of a ministry. Um, the way that that ministry carried itself is still in you. Um, and it's become a huge epidemic, huge epidemic. I spent this past weekend ministering to several people in that situation. Um, when I first, uh, you would think that the, 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 the blunt of most of my counseling sessions are, would be marriage stuff, and it's not. That's second. Most of the counseling sessions, the one that's number one on the list, is people who have church hurt or, or are under ministries that have put them in bondage, and they don't believe that they can move forward, they can't be free. Etc. And so, um, and let me say this because it's very message had to be very careful. Uh, just be careful a little bit. You know, there are there are a lot of good pastors. You all, a lot of good pastors. There are a lot of pastors that even have a right heart. It still doesn't mean that they are following God. It still doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. Okay, there are lawyers that have a lot, that have the right heart, but might, they might lose your case. It's a lot of doctors that lose their practice because um, they had the right heart, but they didn't know what they were doing. Okay. Any of you had hired a guy to do work at your house? You know, he told you, oh, yes. And some of them quote scripture and everything. Them the ones you got to be dangerous, you know, watch out for. You know, and, and then you had to hire somebody else to finish his shady job. Okay, so just because somebody is a nice person and a good person, and just because somebody even is a great person, does not mean that they are doing the right thing. Okay, and so, so along as we minister this, um, you can go ahead and text me questions. I did that yesterday. It ended up being uh, uh, a little bit longer message, but. But um, but uh, if you want to text me questions while I'm ministering, because as I minister these points, certain things may pop into your mind. So people asked questions yesterday as I was ministering. Well, why do pastors do this and why do pastors do that? And a lot of things you're just accepting because you were told to. So um, the number one reason why pastors leave the ministry is uh, church people are not willing to go the same direction and goal of the pastor. Uh, this is statistical information. In case you didn't know this, 4,000 churches open a year, 7,000 close a year. That's crazy. 90% of pastors feel they are inadequately trained to cope with the ministry demands. 80 to 84% of pastors and their spouses feel unqualified and discouraged as the role of pastors. Now, how many know that's a problem? If 80 to 85% are discouraged, how are they going to really, really help you? Okay. And so, uh, um, and then listen to this. 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. Last year, every month, 1,700 pastors a month said, I quit. This is in the United States, by the way. This is not in the world. This is in the United States. 1,700 people said, I can't do it anymore. I quit. Now, if 1,700 a month quit, that means it's another 2,000 that are still in a position that want to quit and are depressed. And when you are depressed, you cannot get a word from God to deliver, Okay. So so the problem is, is that um, the number one reason why pastors leave the ministry is because church people are not willing to go the same direction and go with the pastor. 
pastors believe God wants them to go in one direction, but the people are not willing to follow or change. Now, let me say this. Um, there are several reasons for that. It's not because people are disobedient. OK, all of us have a certain level of disobedience. It is because something that I have found, which is any pastor that is not following the blueprint for his ministry, the Holy Spirit will not force the people to follow him. That's the problem. OK, Lord, you know, it's certain certain things that I have heard over the years, like when the Lord told Kenneth Hagin in a vision, he said, most pastors don't even enter into the first phase of their ministry before they die. So not most pastors don't get to the end. Most pastors don't get to the first phase of the ministry. So if they don't get to the first phase, they can't get you to your last phase. So the problem is, is that if you have a pastor, and let me say this, I'm going to get to the points in a second. There's a scripture, I can't remember where it is in the Old Testament. It says, even a tree that's completely plucked up by the roots will begin to grow leaves at the very scent of water. In other words, something can be completely dead and off, but just a little bit of anointing can make some results happen. And so, you know, a lady shared something with us yesterday. You know, she said, I go to this church and the pastor preaches the word. She said, but on the inside, while he's preaching, I'm still empty. You know, and, and it's because you can preach the word of God. But if it's not the word of God in season, how many of you hate, ate some food that was not seasoned right? And because it wasn't seasoned right, you couldn't eat it. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. You can be preaching the scripture, but if not the scripture that God wanted you to preach in the season, it can be seasoned wrong and the people don't receive it right. And so all of these things happen. And so what happens is there's a disconnect with the people. And so then the pastor, he doesn't realize that the disconnect is because of him. So he then begins to control people. And let me give you uh, an example of control. Witches, witch doctors, wizards, uh, all of those people, they use dark powers, potions, summoning of demons, black magic, voodoo, hexes, curses, all that for the purpose of controlling people. And millions of people are controlled by this, by the, what you call the dark arts, okay? W the main purpose for witchcraft and voodoo and all of that is to force people through all of these dark arts to do what you want them to do because they don't want you to do it. Think about all the, how many of you know about the voodoo doll? You, if you watch the program, every time you saw someone use a voodoo doll, it was because of what? They were mad at that person because they did something they didn't want them to do, or they couldn't get that person to do something that they wanted them to do. So they got the little voodoo doll and put the pins in it, and you saw they stuck the pin, and the person said, ouch, and y'all see all that type of stuff, boom. Okay, some of that stuff is real, but not the little pin, but, you know, they can place a curse on you, and if you're not in Christ, that thing can come up on you strongly, so. All right, so if you are a pastor and you do not run a ministry according to the kingdom blueprint, you will by default fall into these categories. So any pastor that is really not following what God told him to do. Y'all, there are good works and there are God works. Good works is you do stuff that churches do. God works are you do what the Lord told you to do in spite of what everybody else, is, everybody else does. So if a pastor doesn't do that, then there'll be a disconnect. The people won't follow him, so then he will consort to manipulation and control. And then when he does that, it will invite the demonic because y'all remember this in the natural, you do not have enough energy to control people. OK, you think about how frustrating it is just to try to get one child to do something that you need them to do. 
It's extremely frustrating. You want to pull your hair out. It drives you crazy. You get frustrated sometimes. You want to cuss. Sometimes you want to cry. Sometimes you want to choke the child. You get frustrated. Why? Because you cannot get this one child to do. Now, imagine you are a pastor and you're trying to force a whole congregation to do stuff that they want you to do. They don't want to do. Okay. You can't do that in the natural. It takes supernatural energy, which comes from the dark side. Okay. So let's look at a couple of things. First Peter chapter five, verse two. We're going to look at how a pastor is supposed to operate before we get over into these. And I believe it'll be a blessing to you. And if you have questions, you can text them to my cell phone as I minister. It says shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. See that pastor according to the will of God. Not what you think is right and not for filthy gain, but with eagerness nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. So a pastor is supposed to be an example to the flock. He is a pastor. He is not your Lord. He is your pastor. Unfortunately, a lot of places, they end up replacing Jesus <laughs> with their pastor. There are some people that have the Lord appear to them at night and say, thus said the Lord, I am Jesus Christ and I need you to do such and such tomorrow. That person would say, I need to check with my pastor first. Okay, so that's the example of a pastor. Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your soul. So the rule of a pastor is to watch over your soul, not control your soul, to watch over your soul as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. That word obey means to agree with the pastor as he lines up with Christ. That's why Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Believe in him, make friends with him and trust him as long as he is in the will of God. OK, so we, let's look at Jesus attitude as a leader in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. I'm sorry. I hope I'm not moving too fast. This is behind me. You can read behind me on the screen. Jesus. Now, let's look at the attitude of Jesus, because when I get onto these, it's going to be quite shocking. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. As a principle, your life will always be hard when you do it your way. Jesus way will seem hard, but it's not hard. Christianity is hard work, but it is not a burden. Okay, so Jesus said my way is easy. My burden is light. How many of y'all find out by default and by bumping your head into the wall? You know, when I do it my way, I always got to pay more than I got to pay. And I end up dealing with bruises I shouldn't have to dealt with. If I had to just listen to the Lord. Or we say this. Something told me not to do that. Yeah, that something was the Holy Spirit that we don't like to listen to. We'd like to tell him what to do sometimes. Okay. And so uh, but Jesus said, follow me. How many know Jesus was perfect? He didn't say follow me because I'm perfect. How many know Jesus was good? He didn't say follow me because I'm good. How many know Jesus was sinless? He didn't say follow me because I'm sinless. How many know that he was the son of God? He did not say follow him because he's the son of God. He said follow me because of these two things. I'm meek and I'm gentle. That's the qualifying factor for leadership. John 5:41. This is a blanket statement that always amazed me about Jesus. Simply, he said, I do not receive glory from men. That's right. Y'all. How many know it's a whole lot of preachers that need to read that scripture? He said, I do not. And that word glory means I do not receive honor, praise or worship from men. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 18. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit life? Jesus said to inherit eternal life. Jesus said to him, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So you see this pattern with Jesus where he was perfect. He was sinless. He had a right to judge you about everything. Yet he would not even call himself good. He would not receive honor from men. And he said, the only reason you should follow me is because I'm a regular dude and I'm meek and I am lonely. Okay, so that's the qualifying factor. Okay, so now as a leader, everybody keep telling me this message is going to get me in trouble. That's okay. I stay in trouble as a leader. If he does not carry himself this way, the way Jesus carried himself, what happens is you automate when you carry yourself this way. The Holy Spirit attaches himself to you when you carry yourself the opposite way. A demonic spirit attaches itself to you. And when a demonic spirit attaches itself to you, it will convince the leader of religious reasons, reasons why you should control people. OK, so y'all ready? I know y'all going to start sending me some questions. So we're getting ready to go over 13 ways that you can tell that you are a part of or have been a part of what you would call a controlling ministry, a ministry or a leader or leadership that is under the spirit of control. It is a demonic spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He controls no one. He influences. We spend all of this time praying for the gay pride parade. He is not going to force anybody to do anything. He's going to give visions. He's going to give dreams. He's going to give conviction. And then he's going to see if you will step into it. Always remember this. The devil tries to push you in the stuff. God tries to lead you in the stuff. God is patient. The devil is not. Okay. Number one, this is how you can tell you're a part of a controlling ministry, a controlling leader, a controlling pastor, apostle, reverend, doctor, whoever they want to call themselves. This is how you can tell. Number one, does the leadership teach that God will speak to them before he will speak to you? That's one. Now, this is the sad part, y'all. Whenever you join a church, it was supposed to be explained from Scripture, the relationship between the pastor and the congregation. If it's not explained the right way, guess what will happen is whatever they tell you, you will accept the same way that typically when people go to the doctor's office, guess what they believe? Everything the doctor says. When you have a lawyer representing your case, guess what you believe? Well, you know, you really shouldn't fight this. You should settle out of court because if you don't do such, such they can drag it out during your money. That's why so many people settle out of court. When you go to your mechanic, you tell your mechanic, is there another way? No, ma'am. And you have no idea if the mechanic is telling the truth. Ma'am, this is going to cost $500. Are you sure? Ma'am, this is going to cost $500. And you pay $500, and they say they fixed the problem, but you never realize if that was the problem or not. So it's the same thing with pastors. They're telling you this is what the Lord does, and this is the way, and this is the right way. And how would you know? Unless another pastor went and corrected it. And let me say this, too, before I run into this. There's a difference between, let me use an example of my kids. Any of you that have multiple kids, you'll know this. I have six children. So every once in a while, I will pick one of those children and I will say, go in there and tell the other five kids I said to sit down and be quiet. Go in there and tell the other kids I said to turn off the television. Go in there and tell the other kids I said to stop bickering. Okay? So every once in a while, I will pick one of my sons or daughters to go rebuke the other sons or daughters. There, but how many of you know this has happened with one particular child? When I did that the first time, she then took it upon herself to have a spirit and a ministry of rebuke. <laughs> so now she's not getting revelation from her father. She decides that my responsibility now is to rebuke all of the other kids, even though four of them are older than her. <laughs> so I had to pull her aside. You're not the parent. It's not your responsibility to have a rebuke ministry. That's my job. So in the same way, 
Okay, God will speak to one of his sons in the ministry to rebuke the other sons. But God does not call a man or a woman to have a ministry where all they do is rebuke other pastors and ministers. Y'all see that? So anybody who has a history and a pattern of every time they get into the pulpit, they're always talking about other churches and other ministries and what they're doing wrong. And y'all ain't doing this and y'all ain't doing that. That is not the spirit of God. That's that person thinking that they're better than everybody. And so they want to rebuke. So the God, God will speak. You see this in Scripture. You see this in Scripture. You see it with uh, with 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 uh, I believe it was uh, uh, which, which one got caught up in racism for a moment. It was either, I think it was Paul. And one of the other disciples rebuked him. You see the Lord in scripture using one disciple or one uh, servant to rebuke another servant. But it wasn't a pattern. I had to say that and put that out there. Okay. so does the leadership teach that God will speak to them before he will speak to you? How many of y'all heard that before? Okay, they slow to raise their hands. And let me say this. The people who don't grow up in church, they're going to be appalled at this because the people yesterday who didn't grow up in church, they were sitting there like, you got to be kidding me. Okay. First of all, that's nowhere in the Bible that God will speak to your pastor before he speaks to you. That's nowhere in the Bible. Okay. Now, there's only one area sometimes. Let me say this. God asked me to steward this particular ministry. So many times he will speak to me first about Lionheart Church. But there are times when. Other people who are not the pastor have picked up the direction of the church before I got it. Okay, so um, well, I can't use that example because that just happened. (laughs) Okay, but if God wants you to do something, he will always tell me first because I'm your pastor or leader. That's nowhere in the Bible. Okay, if 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 God wants you, I mean, I must slow down today. I'm a little ahead of time. Okay. If God is going to reveal to me everything about you first, why do you need the Holy Spirit? If I'm supposed to always give you the word, I'm always supposed to give you the direction and anything that has to do with your life. I'm going to get it. Then what? What? I mean, the Holy Spirit just lying there, just sleeping on the inside of you, just doing nothing. He's just resting, you know, and 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 he's just revealing stuff to me. That makes no common sense. Okay, Um, let's look at. uh, Uh. Proverbs 3, 6, because nowhere in the Bible does it say the role of the pastor is to hear from God from you. I like some T.D. Jake said something so powerful. He said, when the Bible is silent, so am I. Last time I checked, the Bible says that we watch for your souls. It says we have to give an account. It says, yes, you are supposed to submit to us as we follow Christ. You're supposed to submit to us when it comes to the ministry. You're supposed to submit to the word when it comes to what we preach. You know, it says that we are supposed to be examples to the flock. It doesn't say nothing about we hear from God for you. I have to say this because this is what most places believe and teach. Okay, it says, acknowledge your pastor in all your ways and he will make your path straight. Didn't say that. Said in all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your path straight. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of your pastor rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. It didn't say that, did it? It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Christ is supposed to rule your heart, not anybody else, not your husband, not your wife, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your pastor, not the evangelist, not the prophet who got a word for you. All of those things are fine and dandy, but Christ is the one that's supposed to rule. Okay. now this doesn't mean that you don't get counsel from individuals. 
It doesn't mean that, you know, if, if you're trying to hear from God about direction, you know, that you don't, you know, that you don't consult leadership and say, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. Y'all, the process is actually supposed to be you spend time with God yourself. And then when I preach, why do you think so many people join this church? This is what they always say when they first join this church and they start listening to us preaching. Man, confirmation. I've been knowing this. I knew I wasn't crazy. And then I said, well, why did you? And then they realized Reverend such and such such told me that I was out of order, but I knew. See, the pastor is supposed to confirm that you have the ability to hear from God just like him. And so as a result of that, you become encouraged. You become emboldened. You become more, more, uh, more uh, sensitive in your relationship with God. You become encouraged. OK, I can do this, too. That's what's supposed to happen. Hey. So once again, it doesn't mean so. So the role of a pastor, you all, is to bring you up to speed, bring you up to speed, bring you up to speed. OK, that's why the Bible says be an example to the flock. I've been doing this since 1993. I've been doing this since 1993. So I got a history here. I'm way down the road. My responsibility now is is to until people get to the same level of maturity as me to bring them up to speed so they can get to my level faster and then shoot past my level. All right. Jesus, we going down. Let me go on here. Let's turn over to. um, John 14, 26. John 14, 26, it says. But the helper, your pastor, who the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance. All I have. It didn't say that. It's amazing. The scripture is clear. It says. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will teach you everything and bring things to your remembrance that I have said to you. So the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring to your remembrance things that you found and read in the word. It is his it is his role to turn scriptures into pictures because no man doubts what he sees. Okay. All right. Number two. So far, so good. This is another way to tell that you're part of a controlling church. And let me say this. When a pastor is controlling his members, he is always under the spirit, under the influence of a demonic spirit. If you, it, it, they will never tell you that because, I mean, you know, I mean, if somebody told me, brother, I think you were listening to the devil. Your first reply is, no, I wasn't. Number two, does the leadership curse people who leave the church? Anybody ever experienced that one? Leadership curse people who lead the church. Okay. Number one, first of all, let's look at this. If you left a church, you didn't leave a church. You left a building and a particular organization. In order for you to leave the church, you have to do what Eddie Murphy did in coming to America. I renounce my throne. You got to say, I now renounce Jesus Christ and I no longer am a part of Christianity. That's how you leave the church. How many know a building is not a church? Organization is not a church. Lionheart name is not another church. Bible says that we are the church. It says that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And Jesus is the head, not the pastor. Jesus is the head. Okay. He's an under shepherd that's supposed to find out what Jesus wants to do. Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. So first of all, you know, the church. Okay. But some teach you're told your life is going to be destroyed because you left my church. Um, and, and they do all they do all type of stuff. If I be a man of God, 
you know, you will never fail. You will never go nowhere. Nobody's ever going to use you. Nobody's going to bless you. I met a lady who did not get married for a while because she went to a church and the pastor said, when you leave me, a man will never marry you. She believed that foolishness. Until she came, she, it, wasn't, it wasn't our church, but she went to another one. And they said, your pastor is full of the devil. And when she realized that, she was married the next year. So they place these things on you because, because they don't want you to leave their little thing. Because they take ownership of that which belongs to God. The people belong. How many of y'all? Okay. Raise your hand if you think you belong to me. Raise your other hand if you think you belong to God. So if you belong to God, I have no right to take you as myself and control you when you belong to God. That's the reason they gave you the Holy Spirit, because you belong to God. And the only individual we want you to follow for your life is the Holy Spirit. Now, we have a natural man in the earth that should be listening to us to bring you up to speed as fast as possible. But you need watch this. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. How can you follow him if you don't know? as much about Christ as he does. Otherwise, you can't follow him. All right. So, I mean, I've had that happen to me. You know, and it can be anything. You, you leave a place and you open up a church and they say, oh, it ain't going to last a year and all those things. And, and see, this is just simply, number one, you have no right to do that. Number two is a lie. Number three is demonic. Number four, if there, anybody spoke that over you, y'all, always remember this. Mm, mm, mm. Do you realize that you have a right to even reject what God said about you? God says, this is what I said about you. And you can reject that. And they will respect that. Yet some man is going to say, this is what I declare over you because you made a decision that I didn't want you to make. So this is what's going to happen. And you believe that. I don't think so. But you know what the sad part is, y'all? I don't know what the stats are. You know, I never will find out. But I dare say 90 percent of people at churches, they just going to believe that. If a man of God say you, your life is going to dry up because you did such and such, they believe that. I don't believe nobody. Period. Only thing I believe is this Bible. My father taught me that. I, I really thank God for that. My father was a very, very strong man of God. And he had his prideful areas, but. He was a strong man of God. I mean, so much so, I remember sitting in the Baptist church, and if the pastor said something, which was on a regular basis, that was not in the word, my father would holler out, that ain't right, and then put his head down. (laughs) And I'm sitting here looking at this. And my father taught us. He was a stickler of the word. My father read his Bible every, that's all he did. He didn't even watch television. He just read his Bible all day long. He worked, read his Bible, walked around the house. That's all he did. Okay? He'd take walks, ride his bike a little bit, but that's what he did. And he, had a, he was a stickler for the word. And he said, he, and granted, he had great respect for preachers, just not what they said if it wasn't in his Bible. And he taught his kids, all three of us, he said, if what they are saying out of their mouth is not in this book, he said, reject it. And, I, and, that's, the, and that's what's in me. And so I'm not, that's why I'm not impressed by preachers and the titles, because God is not impressed. Amen. Deep part is Jesus was impressed with who he was. I mean, that's crazy. You are a perfect, sinless man. You are God and you won't receive honor from the individuals you created. All right. You know, and I, you know, and from time to time, you know, we're stronger now. And and let me say this. I had to say this to um, some younger people yesterday, Um, because what happened was, is that, 
these young kids had been on their own with this gospel thing. They couldn't find a pastor that was teaching stuff. Not that they don't exist. They just couldn't find them. And so as a result of their heart and passion for God, they were being taught, told by other people, you're just going too far. You're going to go crazy reading the Bible. You're going to do all this type of stuff. And so one of the things that I told them, I said, well, I said, because of your heart, the Lord brought you to a ministry that has your back. One of the things about this ministry, one of the reasons it was created, it was to protect the sons and daughters of God from other dudes. And so, um, uh, you know, um, I had a couple, I've had a few situations where people will leave a ministry and they will join this one. In the beginning, we had a, quite a few situations where people were leaving other ministries and pastors were literally doing that, placing a curse on them. One girl joined our church and the pastor and his wife said, we believe that something is bad going to happen. We believe that you are off and we're going to pray that God will have mercy on your soul. And I was getting ready to go over there when I found out who this individual was. I said, like, okay, that's enough. Okay, I'm going over there to talk to this individual about this. And the Lord gave my wife a dream that night not to go. And, and in the dream, the Lord spoke to my wife and said, that particular man of God is extremely prideful. He will not see your husband as an equal. And, and the Lord showed her in the dream that it, will turn, it would turn into such a violent argument that it would almost be a fist fight. So I didn't go over there. Because it probably would have been a fist fight. <laughs> okay. But that's how strong it was is that I don't appreciate, I don't know when, and there have been people that have joined this church and I have to have them write letters to the other one. And what I do is I say, now write the letter, put my name underneath it, and then put Bishop Oedipo's name underneath that. So if they decide to attack you, they know they're going to have to deal with me and my backing. And that's too much for any fool to handle on this planet. All right. <laughs> you can text me some questions unless you're scared. Number three, does the leadership teach that they are the true church and all other churches are wrong? Any ever been a part of a place like that? I've seen churches like that. There's one guy on television right now. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know this in my being, that the moment we go on television, this dude that's on television is going to be attacking me. I know it. I can feel it coming in the air of night, as Phil Collins used to say. I can feel it. I know this guy is. Every single program, every single time is nothing from top to bottom of attacking people, attacking Christians and attacking other churches. Every single program. We actually watch it for comic view in my house. Watch this. The first time my kids saw it, they walked in and within two minutes they said, is this guy for real? It's amazing how kids can see stuff. We just accept it. They're like, no, he is the devil. Okay. But do they teach that you are the true church and all? Don't listen to anybody, you know, who says, well, you know, I'm the only one that got the revelation. You know, I had a conversation with a gentleman one time and and, and his statement was, well, you know, um, nobody's doing it right. And my reply was, have you been to other churches? You've been to every church and he just knew that nobody was doing it right. And it's always the ones that's not doing anything that say that everybody else ain't doing nothing. You ain't even got a GED, but you understand how President Obama should be running the White House. (laughs) Number four. And by the way, number three um, is always a sign of a cult. Even if it is a church or ministry that believes in Jesus, if, if that's what they teach, it is all it has. It is it is a cult 
but it just represents Jesus as a cult. Okay, it's a sign of one. Number four, are you forbidden to talk to anyone who has left the church? People, you know, yesterday they were just hollering and screaming as we went down the line there because people were thinking about stuff that they've heard, their experiences, all that type of stuff. How many of you know that's stupid? That, we don't even need a Bible for this. Okay? You are forbidden to talk to anyone who has left the church. You know, I know, I know of a minister. He worked for another pastor, and this particular pastor ended up falling out of grace with another pastor. So it's two pastors, they were friends. And then he didn't like what the other pastor did, so he just decided not to do anything with that pastor. And then he told his ministers, don't have anything to do with that ministry. Well, one of the ministers, months later, decided to just call the pastor and say, hey, man, I was just checking you to make sure you're doing okay. And he got fired because of that. How many know that's the spirit of control? Okay. Number five, are you forbidden to fellowship with your family if they are not saved or do not belong to your church? I mean, you know, that's crazy. Okay. So <laughs> I can't spend time with my family. This is all the foolishness in the name of the Lord. People didn't grow up in church like, you got to be kidding me. This is isolated incidents. No, no, brother. This is the norm, especially in these churches and Hispanic ones. Okay. Typically, black churches and Hispanic churches have this problem big time. Okay. So, y'all, that makes no sense. Now, Let's look at what Jesus said. Now, Jesus is spending time with the sinners. That's why they kept accusing him of being one. Because <laughs> he was amongst them. He wasn't trying to shun himself. Now, he did not come to their level of sin, but he was amongst them trying to be a standard. Because some people that say, well, we're supposed to be amongst the sinners. Okay, that's fine. But it doesn't mean that you're supposed to be doing what they're doing. It doesn't mean you're supposed to have a drink. And you're supposed to smoke weed. And you're supposed to be booty bopping at the club and all that type of stuff. It means that sometimes you will, will be amongst the unbeliever, but you don't fall to the level. Jesus did not do that. He was amongst them all the time, but he held true to his standard. Okay. But this stuff about you can't, you come, you become a part of Lionheart Church and, 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 and now you can't hang out with your cousins. You can't go to Thanksgiving dinner. You know, you know your, your auntie had a birthday, but she's an atheist, so you can't go and eat the cake. Because everybody said, you must be crazy. People do this, though. People do this. There are people that haven't seen their family members in 10, 15 years because of this. And then, and then watch this. When you do that, how many know that's not love? And then you expect the family members to come visit your church? Why would I come visit a place that told you to do nothing with me because I don't agree with them? Number six. Is there an overemphasis of teaching on submission to authority? That's a biggie. You must submit to me unquestionably. You must do whatever I tell you to do. And if you are not, if you do not do it, you are humiliated, embarrassed or rebuked. And many people accept this because they think it's okay. But how many are? Ever see in scripture Jesus one time embarrassing, humiliating, or rebuking somebody openly like that? You can't. He said, follow me because of my meekness and my humility. See, what I'm doing is, I know some of you, you probably really don't care about this message, but you need to hear this at least one time so that you know this. Because more and more, as a Christian, God will send people across your path, and you need to be able to tell them, you're part of a crazy controlling church. You need to listen to this message right here. Okay? I never will forget. I, you, know, you want to know one of the scariest things that I ever saw in my life? I saw a pastor stand up and give this example to his entire congregation. 
Okay? And let me say this. I'm not saying that all men that do this are evil. I'm just saying that if you don't know certain things, you can fall prey to evil. You can actually become an enemy of the very gospel you used to preach. He stood up in front of his congregation members and he said this. He said, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to send one of my female ministers to a particular uh, country to be this. And he said to the congregation, he said, um, and she told me that she was uncomfortable with that decision and she needed to pray about it. And then I was, I was shocked and appalled when that man of God stood in the pulpit and said to the audience, and I told her, I asked her, did the Lord send you to this church? Yes. Am I your pastor? Yes. Then you don't pray about nothing. You do what I tell you to do. Now, first, the statement that he made was shocking. The second thing that was shocking, that he had enough boldness, ignorance, and arrogance to say this to our entire congregation. Third thing that was more shocking is all the congregation members started saying, Amen, Pastor. And then this is my other thing. If you believe this so much that you're willing to say this publicly in front of a congregation, what do you believe in private? You know, because you always have more stuff in private than you share in public. Y'all realize? See, I got to say this because it means nothing to y'all. But there's people listening, crying right now. Do you realize what this person said? I understand that God is the one who created you in the womb. I understand that Jesus Christ is the one who was sent to die for your sins. And I understand that when you accepted Jesus Christ, they made you a new creature. They assigned an angel to you and the Holy Spirit possessed you. They are the ones who gave you your gifting, your intellect, your destiny. They are the ones who created everything. And they are right now building a mansion for you in heaven. But when it comes to decisions in life, you can't listen to them. You have to listen to me. And people believe that. So, and let me say this, and, and this is more of a, uh, this is good for you, but this, this is, let me say this. You know why I don't have a problem with submission? I mean, uh, how many times, you know, it's kind of like this guy, I'm the man of the house, I'm the man of the house, I'm the man of the house, I'm the man of the house. You're going around like Godzilla, I'm the man of the house. Whenever you hear God saying that, you already know what the issue is. He's not the man of the house. So you don't see me trying to get people to submit, submit, submit. How many times you sit here? You need to submit. You need to do what I say. The most I ask y'all to do is move up a couple rows. And guess what y'all do like zombies? Move up a couple rows. You want to know why y'all do that? Because to the degree that the pastor submits to God, the Holy Spirit will make the people submit to him. God will never make people submit to a man that's not submitted to God. God, the Holy Spirit will never move upon the hearts of the people to follow a man. We're talking about the Holy Spirit move. Okay, he will never move the people to follow a man that's on the wrong path because the Holy Spirit's role is to get you on the right path. So if your leader is on the wrong path, they won't be moving on your heart to keep on following that man down that wrong path. And this is the reason why we got this dilemma in the church, because they're drying up. You know why everybody's so disconnected? Because the Holy Spirit is not moving upon the hearts to follow these crazy leaders. I don't know, that's strong talk, but, okay, whatever. So, when you are not a, this is another one. When you're not a pastor, to the degree, that, let me add this one. If you are not a pastor, what you do when you're underneath one is what you will reap when you become one. That's why the Bible says, you know, if, um, if you haven't been faithful to that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? 
Well, that's part of the problem, too, is that you have a lot of men of God. When they serve somebody else, they were shady. They were raggedy. When they become pastors, not only do they reap that what they sold to another man, they're doing that to God. And you got this great system. And so now, because the people will not follow them, they create the scenario where I must control my congregation and make them follow me by fear, by telling them, if you don't do what I say, you're going to be cursed. If you don't do what I say, you're going to get in a car accident. If you don't, I'd have heard it all. If you don't do what I say, God will strike you down. You're going to get sickness and disease. You're going to get cancer. You're going to get a tumor. You're going to get this. You're going to lose your job and all that type of stuff. And then God forbid that one of those things happen. Then you believe it's because and now you're willing to follow this dude for the rest of your life. And then when God tells you to move on, you can't because the pastor has become your God. All right. Seven. Are you discouraged from reading books that are not approved by leadership? In other words, you Baptists, so you can't read no books by Catholics. <laughs> you Presbyterian, you can't read books by Charismatics. Or you just, some churches, they teach you, you can't read any book except for the Bible. And then you got, you got cults now, you can't even read the Bible unless you read their book. It's Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. Bible is perfect. Why well, I need your book to understand the Bible? Well, you know, Brother Smith, we don't care nothing about Brother Smith. Brother Smith was born 100 years ago. Jesus was born... Never mind. <laughs> Number eight, are you forbidden to attend or visit any church that is outside your denomination or fellowship? <laughs> this is how you can tell you're part of a controlling church is that, no, you, you can't go down the street. What you doing down there? They ain't got nothing to say. OK, then sometimes they say, well, it's mixing two visions. No, it's not. OK, I want to see one movie. I want to see another movie that wouldn't merge in two movies. It was two separate movies. See, if individuals like that are really not for your success. They're for their success. Okay, an individual that's your, for your success doesn't care where you go as long as it's feeding you and it's helping you. I send my people to places on purpose when I find out what their callings are. Okay. Number nine, are people at the church publicly embarrassed or humiliated by leadership? This is a pet peeve of mine. I know we'll... Let me think for a second. We're going to have a quick pause here. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and share that. I'm going to go ahead and share that. Let me say this. First of all, rarely is there a reason to, uh, to embarrass somebody publicly. I don't know if it's wisdom for me to share that story. I was at a church. And any of you ever been to a church where there's a guest speaker and they're, and they're giving out free stuff? And after they give out the first free one, it's no more. It's a race to the front. And they just start walking to get it. This young lady got up to do that. And and uh, and she was just people had already done it. She got up and she went up there to do that. And this pastor cut that girl down in front of the entire congregation. I mean, cut this girl I mean, I don't mean he pulled her to the side. He walked up to her, swung his finger at her and everything. And, and the girl went back in front of an entire arena, y'all. Come on, these are thousands of people. And that girl went back to her seat and was just sitting there weeping. And a, a, a whole depression came on that whole arena. I watched it. And, uh, and that girl was just sitting there weeping. She was so embarrassed to even get up and leave. She wanted to. She's just sitting there, I mean, gone in this state. And um, and then right in that atmosphere, the Holy Spirit said, get your behind up, go to the bookstore and get for her the very thing that she was trying to get free. So I went to the bookstore and I said, hey, I need you to do such, 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 you know, get this book. 
And so the lady gave it to me, and I went and gave it back to the woman in front of everybody. I wasn't trying to do anything. Gave it to her in front of everybody, and that thing broke. There was so many people came up to me and said, we thank God, because that girl could have been lost over that. That girl could have been lost. Why? You know, church, y'all, is not about image. It's not about looking good. It's about helping people. That's the only reason that this exists, is to help people be all that they can be in Christ. And when you're only concerned about how you look and making a name for yourself, you will humiliate, you will make people look bad, you will make people feel bad, you will tell them that they are nothing, you'll cut them. I mean, it's amazing for me to watch people who think it's okay to talk to you like you are a child in front of a congregation, let alone by yourself. Just talk to you like you are not nothing. If you made a mistake, it's not that big of a deal. And the sad part is you cutting people down and God didn't do that to you when you made all your whole ministry is a mistake. And God giving you grace and mercy to continue on. He didn't woof and blow on your thing and make the house fall down sitting on a kickstand. Amazing, boy. Treating people the total opposite the way God is treating you. And think this is okay. All right. Number 10. I think I'm going to leave that on there, by the way. Are people afraid? I am going to leave that on there. Are people afraid to voice any opinion contrary to leadership? If you disagree with something, you are afraid because you may be sat down, judged, cursed, fired, or even your license be revoked. That's stupid because the disciples disagreed with Jesus. And when they disagreed with Jesus, they said, Lord, you can't be talking to them like that. And he said, well, no, this is the reason why I did that. They came and they questioned the Lord about his decisions. Well, why would you do something like that? He said, because of this right here. It was like, oh, we get it. There are things that they had a problem with. They had a problem with the way sometimes Jesus talked in the field. He always explained. I just don't remember that when they questioned him, he kicked him off his ministerial team. I found the more wrong you are, the more you don't like to be questioned. The more right you are, you ask people, do they have any questions? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Let me just keep going. Listen to yesterday's. It's a whole lot more stingy. Now, let me ask you a question. Some of you may have heard this before, and if you do, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like, there it is right there. How many of you have heard this when it comes to speaking and disagreeing with leadership? How many of you have heard this term? Touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Who has never heard that before? <laughs> you better judge your head ever there before. Okay. It's a scripture that pastors use out of context to tell you to keep your mouth off of them. So I understand that you might have saw me rob a bank yesterday, but touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You keep your mouth off of me. Okay. So since they like to use that scripture, let's go look at it and see if this is what they're talking about. <laughs> okay, you know what? Holy Spirit told me something years ago. He said, get rid of everything that you've been taught. Read the Bible like you've never been taught. And I'll show you things that you've never seen. Because what had happened was, is because I was so accepting of what men said that weren't in the Bible, I was beginning to read the Bible through other men's teachings and for not for what the Holy Spirit was showing me. And if you want to be limited, study the Bible based on what other men say. If you want to be unlimited, study it for what it says and reject what other men say. Everybody says, this is the way it worked. No, it's not. That's the way it worked for you. 
I've heard people say, you know, that's why I got to come back and teach this whole thing about sowing seed. You know, I mean, I've heard this teach. I've heard all type of stuff. The only way for you to get a house is you got to sow seed into somebody that already has a house. The only way for you to get a car, you got to sow seed into somebody else that has a car. You know, and then and, and granted, if you want to do this, that's fine, but it's not a requirement. How many of you know the scripture says somebody gives you a thousand dollars? Scripture says that's your increase. You're supposed to give $100 out of $1,000. But there are some men, and that's fine if they believe this, but don't force this on the congregation. There are some men believe that if I gave you a brand new car that cost $20,000, you're supposed to add up the value of the car and then come up with cash and give that as tithe in the church. That's just religious, y'all. There are some things that God just wants us to have for free Amen. without no strings attached. I'm trying so bad just to keep this simple today because yesterday I just went in like a. You know, y'all, let me say this. Let me say this. What men have did and, and, and many of that did it, they weren't doing it because they were trying to do it the wrong way. What they teach is God will only bless you because you sow seed. Wrong. Romans 8.32. If we gave you Jesus, how much more will we not with him freely give you all things? So. God blessed me with a house, not because I was sowing seed into somebody else's house. He blessed me with a house because that's what he wanted me to have. So there are things that God will give you. A perfect example. Thank you, Lord. Watch this. If you say, Lord, I need five dresses for my job. I need to get five new dresses, Lord. And you write that down and you exercise faith for it. Guess what God will do? He will bless you with five dresses, maybe 10. Why? Because you ask. But if you are an individual that you're always giving clothes away, you'll reap what you sow and clothes will come back to you. See the difference? You reap what you sow, but you also get what you ask for. In spite of if you reap, if you sow. <laughs> That's called a relationship. With, let me ask you something. Me and Albert both got kids. You got kids. Most of the guys in here got kids. When your kids ask you for something. Do you sit up there and analyze if they cut the grass on time and if they sold seed and, and if they do, do you ask whether or not that the Father's Day gift that they gave you was something that you really wanted? And you don't do nothing about that. You know how they, you know, on Father's Day, we don't really get hooked up. We get to tie. You have to pretend like you really like it and all that. It was oh, wonderful. Boom, boom. We just got we get played. Just telling you. But that's that's the role. Our Heavenly Father gets played all the time. He has to deal with it. So we have to deal with that, too. Hey, but I don't look, uh, the last thing that I think about when my kids ask me for something is what they did for me. The first thing I think about is, is this going to get you in trouble? And is this too much? That's the only reason why I withhold from my child. Now, Jesus said, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to them who what? Ask, not so. But if you broke trying to keep your little church on a kickstand, trying to get together, you're going to teach people the only reason why the Lord will bless you is if you sow in our raggedy fund. And the people never ask God. They just sow into the church, hoping that God will give them because they sold. When no good father gives to their children because of what they did, he gives to them because he loves them right there in the Bible. But people don't read the Bible. They read their pastor. Let me go ahead and end this for y'all have to carry me up out of here. (laughs) Psalm 105, 8 through 15. He has remembered his covenant forever. 
the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac. Then he confirmed it to Jacob for a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying, to you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion of your inheritance. Now watch this. When they were only a few in number, very few and strangers in it, he's talking about the nation of Israel, and they wandered about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people, he permitted no man to oppress them. He reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones with an S and do my prophets no harm. So that scripture didn't have anything to do with leadership. It had to do with an entire nation of people called the Jews. That's why they're untouchable, because that scripture pertains to Jews. Touch not my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. You cannot now take that as a scripture as a pastor and say, the Lord is telling you to keep your mouth off of me because of that scripture. Amen. People believe that. Not me. I'm sitting in all the eating a bag of potato chips in secret. This is the biggest foolishness I ever heard. I went to a church one time. You know what a dude said? He said, I remember, I never will forget this. His church closed a year later, literally. And uh, he died a few years later. He had a little service and all that. And at the end, he said, Okay, we're going to have this offering. Yeah. And I know new people think we're just coming up with this stuff to make this a comedy show. He said, now, let me say this. You are not a real man if you don't have $50 to give in this offering. I had $120 and didn't give a penny. Went right home, got in my car, and watched TV. Church closed the next year. I'm not a real man because I don't have $50 to give him this little hut sitting on the corner about to fall down to the ground. That's literally what it looked like, a little hut. You go to Detroit, y'all. If, see, you don't see that in Atlanta. Maybe I need to go tomorrow to the city. In Detroit, you can drive, this is no, exa- this is no exaggeration, you can drive down two city blocks and sometimes count 10 to 12 churches. Literally. All this Holy Ghost power and the whole neighborhood going down to the ground. And all of them, all of them got abundant fellowship. You know, first church of the prophetic overseer. <laughs> international Gospel Center. Dude, you ain't even got local members. How are you international? <laughs> this is people trying to be deep, y'all. See, trying to make a name for themselves. The best way to make a name for yourself is to care less about your name and try to make a name for Jesus Christ. To the degree you make Jesus famous, they will make you famous. All of the greatest men in the planet could care nothing about their greatness. They were just simply trying to do the right thing. Number 11. We're almost done, y'all. Our marriage is being broken up by the leadership. In other words, there are pastors who tell their people to divorce their spouse because their spouse does not want to come to my church. Or your spouse disagrees with the church, which is proof that God doesn't want you to be with them, so you should divorce them. (laughs) Or your spouse wants to leave my church, so you need to divorce your spouse and stay here and and let them go. And that's the will of the Lord. No, it's not. It's your will because you want mine and their offerings. That's what this is about. Most pastors don't like. No pastor likes to lose people. But if your hope and confidence is in people, you're always going to try to find a way to control them. I have no problem when people come and I have no problem when people go because I already know it's not my ministry. So if y'all leave, it's not on me. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> I'm tight. 
I didn't ask to be no pastor. This is the Lord's work. <laughs> All right, number 12, speaking of money. Are people manipulated in their giving by leadership? By leadership? That's a big one. Okay. Until you do right, right by me, color purple. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <clears throat> Are all the sermons intertwined with why you should give more? And if you don't give more, God is not going to bless you because you didn't give what I said you should give an offering. These are signs of manipulation, intimidation and control, which is the essence of the spirit of witchcraft. Okay. And so all of this manipulation about giving, you know, people manipulated and giving. You're supposed to tell people the truth and then let the chips fall where they may. Let me say this, like I told them yesterday, God will give the first group a chance to obey God. And if they don't, he will then bring in another group and he will give them your blessing. Always remember that blessings are not destroyed. They're not. In other words, God has something for you, but you must obey him. If you don't take it, he'll then give what he intended for you to another individual. There are no voids in the spirit. Okay? I'll give you another example. You remember the guy in the scripture that created this big feast? And he said, go get everybody that we sent the invitation for to. OK, all of the people that got the invitation, they kept making excuses about why they couldn't come. He said, fine. They were the ones that was first invited. He said they didn't want to come, made their excuses. Let's go out here and get all of the crazy people, homeless, prostitutes, all of them. They'll accept it. Let's bring them in. And Jesus said, that's how the kingdom of God is. <clears throat> so don't think you about to stop God because you didn't do something. It's a privilege and an honor to be used God, whether you clean the toilets or whether you are in the pulpit. It's an honor to be used by God. If God clean, the, if God asked you, watch this, y'all. Who Jesus. If God asked you to clean the toilets, it is the equivalent of him asking his son to die for all mankind. <clears throat> Number 13, last one, and then we'll hit these questions. The leadership of the church has to approve many, if not all, of your personal decisions when it comes to your personal life. So it's a biggie. They tell you what house you can buy, what car you can buy, what spouse you can marry. Okay, tell you what clothes you can wear. Okay, had a friend of mine bought a car. That car now would be around three hundred thousand. At the time, it was one hundred and thirty thousand. Prices on most cars go up. Very expensive uh, sports car. And uh, he drove that thing up to the church. One of the assistant pastors came right outside. Is this your fancy sports car? He said, yeah. He said, oh, he said, you have to take that back. This was not a joke, y'all. He was serious. And, and if you know my friend, he was like, okay, why do I? He, he, he just didn't play with that. Why do I need to take it back? Well, the pastor doesn't have a car that's expensive. Therefore, you can't have one. What possessed this minister to say this to my friend? I don't know why he should have known that he was going to get blasted. And, you know, he just took he decided to have an extra Jesus in scripture about why I have a right to buy whatever I want about It's my money. I made this money. OK. And the only way that the pastor has a right to tell me what I should be buying is if he paying for it. And if he ain't paying for it, he can keep his little spiritual mouth closed. I mean, you know, that's you know, y'all, y'all notice y'all notice all of this stuff can only happen in the church. You ever notice that you pull up, you work, you work at the job. OK. And and you have you have the, the president and 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 maybe you're an engineer at the company. The president drives a Ford 
you pull up in a Mercedes and they fire you because you got a car bigger than his. Next case, lawsuit. Because everybody realizes this is stupid. In the church, we accept this as church doctrine. Oh, yes, Jesus is pleased with this. <laughs> All right. Oh, Lord Jesus. Still on a couple. We got a couple of minutes here. What's a legitimate reason in alignment with the world to leave a church? I'm covering that next weekend because we're doing part two of this. We're going to talk about because they're one of the. I used to say this all the time. The, the worst reason to leave a church is offense. But that's not true because it depends on what the offense was. For example, if you found out that your pastor is a pedophile, I'm offended. That's a real good reason to leave. Okay, some pastors fall into sin, but do they come out or do they stay in? Never stay at a church where you know the pastor is living in sin. If he falls into sin and comes out, there's grace. Nothing happens to the congregation except for the fact they're just a little bit disappointed. If a pastor gets into sin and he stays there, now there is a spirit of that that comes on the congregation because he stayed there. Because you can only reduplicate what you are. So there are different reasons. I throw it out here. One reason to leave a church is, <clears throat> let's get this right and get it in order. Well, let me tell you what the design is, and I believe this will be our design. The design is that the Lord was hoping he could send you. Key word is hoping. Because I've heard some pastors say, well, when the Lord sends you to my church, you're here for life. How many of you have heard that before? Hey, when he sent you here to my church, you're supposed to be here for life. Well, if that's the case, then all of the people that came from other churches, you need to send them back to their church where the Lord sent them to be there for life. All of this doctrine to try to control people. And sometimes they mean well, but it's still off. Hey? Your teenager steal the car to go get you some milk. And they crash. They meant well. But it was still wrong. God is hoping that what I do with following them, that I create a platform where every person that joins this church, their calling and their destiny can be fulfilled here. And this ministry can be a launching pad for them, for their own ministries, and they'll still be connected to us. That's the way it's designed. But the problem is you have so many men that don't follow the design. Because in order for that design to happen, <clears throat> I must find out what you are called to do and then help you get there as fast as possible with proper instruction so that you don't crash along the way. Okay? For example, there might be somebody that they're having their own private meeting. They might be doing something. There's somebody that has a road ministry like Joyce Miners. Okay? Then the church supports that individual. But unfortunately, that does not happen. So what will happen is, is that let's say that you're at a church where the pastor is on a level three. Once you get to level three and you want to continue to grow, it means that the Holy Spirit is going to have to send you someplace else where it's a level five. Otherwise, the Holy Spirit is not interested in your growth. And so this is the reason why you see people switch churches, switch churches. And usually the main reason you see, I shouldn't say the main, one of the reasons why you see Christians switch from one church to another is the church that they're at. They don't feel like they're getting fed anymore. Yeah, because your pastor will always pull you up to his level. And when he pulls you up to his level, all of a sudden now, it'll seem like you're not getting fed anymore. And one of the reasons is, is because there is no level. He stopped. He was supposed to keep on going. That's why I have a pastor that makes me feel like I'm a bum and a sinner and a heathen at the same time. I'm constantly growing and I'm constantly pulling y'all up. That's one reason why you leave. Second is, it's just too much perversion going on in the church. Third reason is you might go to a particular what they call denominational church where this happens a lot. You go to a church that's Baptist or Methodist. They don't believe in speaking in tongues. 
somebody invites you to a church like this, you answer the altar call, you leave speaking in tongues. And when you try to speak in tongues back at that Baptist Methodist church, they kick you out. So you really didn't leave, you got kicked out. Or you all of a sudden feel uncomfortable with being able to have freedom of expression with everything because everybody's going to look at you funny. Or you start getting teaching on another level and now the other teacher. You got all of these different reasons. Offense, it depends. When you leave a church because you didn't like what was said, you didn't like what was preached, you had one incident with somebody and then you leave? No. You know, it's, that's, I, and, and it's sad. I, I mean, some people get besides themselves. I've had people that try to take over the ministry. I had that one, had one incident. You know, you, you got everything. You know, you have all of these things, but you're not supposed to reject these people. Always remember this, you all. When people leave the church, guess what's supposed to happen? You're supposed to still. I've had people that left this church and they left this church wrong. And people that are members of this church still fellowship with them and still do business with them and still hang out with them because they are not my, they're not my enemy. I didn't ask them to leave. Every person that left Lionheart Church the wrong way, I never asked them to leave. I never even rebuked them. They just decided they didn't want to be here anymore because I wouldn't follow what they wanted me to do. And that's unfortunate. You do have some people that the Lord birthed me for this. He's been training. The Holy Ghost told my wife in 1993 that I was called to be a pastor when we were dating. I didn't even know I was called to be a pastor until like 1996. He'd been grooming me for this for years by trial. I've lost things, lost the house, lost the car. I didn't been through every single thing. Hell and high water. I've been rebuked. I've been done wrong. I've done there are things that have happened to me in the ministry that I will go to my grave with because people wouldn't believe it. And I had to expose people all of that stuff for training so I can do it right. And then somebody shows up and think they're supposed to just take that over. That's why the Bible says don't put a novice in charge lest he be lifted up in pride. Now, Lord, couldn't put me in charge 10 years ago. Y'all would have been left the church. That's not a joke. That's the truth. You wouldn't even came. You would have walked in the door. Nope, he's not the one. Because the Holy Spirit would have told you, no, this dude, this dude is full of arrogance and pride. I would have towed this church up. <clears throat> I'm, I forgot the question. Why is marriage counseling at, why is marriage counseling at church weak and somewhat ineffective? Usually because that's what the pastor's wife uh, married. That's what their marriage is like. That's why. Just being honest with you. Question is, why is marriage counseling at church sometimes, why is it weak and somewhat ineffective? My first answer is because the pastor and his wife's marriage is weak and ineffective. Number one. Okay. Yeah. You know, see, that's why this part that I hate, but it's just the truth. You know, that, do I really want to say this? I don't want to ask you this because all you're going to say is yes. You can't preach what you are not. You can't. Okay. Now, my wife and I have a great marriage, not a perfect marriage. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Okay. You can look at me and my wife by watching us. When she's up here, when we're walking around, how we react when service is over, and you can start to get a gauge on if we got a good relationship or if just if we just pretending. Like they say, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Okay, so for example, that's why you hear me say this. You know, I know sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. If the pastor and the first lady are at, you know, you know, and I, sometimes you have a lot of pastors and first ladies that are older. And the older you get, man and female, your sex drive begins to turn off. Nothing wrong with that. It just, it's just not there as much as anymore. Okay? 
I'm trying to be nice. But if you have a pastor that's in his 20s, his 30s, his 40s, even his 50s, okay, if they're not doing nothing, they're not going to have no real revelation about what, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it right this morning. Okay, so if, if, if he doesn't, let me, I can't, I can't get a good answer, but I think this one. Let me tell you why. It takes a great deal of humility to have a great marriage. You have to be serving one another. You've heard me make a statement about this, and that is, I was one, one day I was praying, and the Holy Spirit said this statement that I didn't share with my wife for three years. He said, the problems you think you're having with your wife, he said, those are the same problems that we have with you. If you correct the problems we have with you, you won't have to say anything to your wife. Now, how many of you know, that took a great deal of humility to receive it from God. Number two, then to act on it. Then number three, to actually share it with my wife. And most dudes are not going to do that. So in order to have a real effective relationship, it requires that man to do what? The scripture said, be an example to the flock. So if you want to be a, an example to the men on how to be a good husband, you're going to have to say, man, there's some times that God knocked me in the mouth and I didn't recover for two years. And most guys, you're not going to do that if you're concerned about creating a ministry where you look good. My wife and I have learned the power of we don't care how we look anymore. We just don't care. I mean, these last two messages that my wife shared, good God, that one she preached on restoration had me uncomfortable. <laughs> Sposing all our business. Don't care. Don't care. And the deep part is, the first time my wife started doing this, she told me, she said, the devil started talking to me and started telling me that I was out of order for exposing myself to the people this way and making myself vulnerable and that people were going to start disrespecting me and looking at me differently. And so we were talking about how, yeah, that's the trick. So what you have to do is say, if they do that, I really don't care. Y'all, there's great power in not caring. It's not, y'all, there's great, if you have to leave a church, it's great power in not caring whether or not they talk about you or not. It's great power if we don't grow by another person or if we grow to a million members. We really don't care. As long as we know that we are following the blueprint of the Lord and that we are doing right by people, me and my wife really don't care. We just really don't care. Okay, I mean, I've had people, you know, everyone, we had, had a lady, had a lady at the first prayer meeting. Y'all, if you were at the first prayer meeting, it was off the chain, off the chain, off the chain. Every once in a while you get in here, well, you know, I left with a headache because the drums was too loud. I told her, drums wasn't too loud, you got, got diabetes or something. That's why you had a headache. Have some banana and fruit juice next time. The drums are not too loud. That, I don't even think that was a devil. That was just, you just have some people, man, that just no matter what you do, you cannot care. You have to preach the truth. Jesus told the disciples, he said, when you go into this city, some people are going to accept you. Some people are going to reject you. He said, the ones that reject you, he said, do this to your shoes. This is what we do. We do it with the shoulders. Jesus said, do it with the feet. That brush off your shoulder, Jesus created that. He said, wipe the very dust off your feet on them people and keep it moving. Jesus made one statement and it says a large number of disciples left him and no longer followed him ever again. Off of one statement. Think they cared? You think Jesus was only concerned about one thing? I don't care. As long as, I'm, as, long as my father is pleased, the whole planet can reject me as long as he pleased. Because when the planet is shut down, I'll be with my father. Well, y'all will be looking like boo-boo the fool. All right, we got a couple more, y'all. I need to 
Oh, Jesus, y'all hitting me now. Let me do them in order. I've experienced people saying that you're supposed to be a lifetime member of one church. Also, when I left my previous church and people found out that we were at Lionheart, they told me that you will be back because you are supposed to be back here with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I want to say some things about that, don't you? You know, I just... Mm-hmm. You know what, let me tell you. Now, every once in a while, you do have... To, how many of you know Jesus would get arrogant with people sometimes? They came to him and asked him a question. We need you to answer a question. He said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll answer your question if you can answer mine. He gave him the question, and they said, we can't answer it. He said, I ain't answering yours, did He was not a religious man. Okay, I had to tell one person, they just kept going in on me, trying to push me into the ground, push me into the ground, push me in the ground. And so I didn't get buried alive. I had to say, last time I checked, all your people listening to me, none of mine listening to you. Sometimes you just got to do that. <laughs> Let them know. Let, get back to the question, man. What was the question then? Oh, yeah. So that's just. This, you know what? You know what I found? How many of you know you can go on Facebook on Sunday morning? <laughs> I didn't even say nothing. What are they laughing about? <laughs> Y'all must have your mind someplace else. You can go on Facebook. On, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. But I mean you can go on Facebook on Sunday morning and everybody say, I got the best pastor. We got the best choir. We got the best musicians. <laughs> I got the best congregation. Everybody thinks they got the best. And so when you leave, particularly when you leave larger, for some reason, people leave small and large ministries. I could move Jesus. Okay. And it's getting, it's, I told them yesterday, it's, it's about to really get bad. I mean, I had people, I had three people, four people, five people, four or five people that just joined the church this past week that all just came from the same ministry and they don't even know each other. I mean, it's just crazy what's going on. You know, you can't do what we do at this level and not start pulling people. And it's not because we're trying to do it. Y'all, y'all notice that when I'm on Facebook, that we're not taking pictures of all our Lionheart shirts. You ever notice when I'm on Facebook? The only thing you see me do on Facebook is what? Make quotes that apply to everybody. We never make quotes on Facebook that apply to Lionheart Church. I'm doing that on purpose. Because we know that we're going to draw everybody. So I don't want them to think that I'm doing it on purpose by saying, boom, 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 Lionheart Church for life, Lionheart Church is down, you know, Lionheart Church are you whack, all the types of stuff. You don't see me doing that. Pay attention to my Facebook quotes from the Lionheart page. It's addressed to the body of Christ. Okay? Because people, particularly with a small one, a church, most people are not used to a church that started from the ground up. They joined a church that was already existing. So when you start something fresh from the ground up, they automatically assume it's not going to be anything. It's going to be a failure. So when my wife and I started, I mean, you saw a type of people. I had one guy called and apologized. He was going to a Bible school at another church. He said, man, I thought your whole thing was whack. He said, until I saw who you were under. And then, I, and then he said, I said, uh-oh. Okay. So, so, and see, let me tell you how I fooled a lot of people at my previous church and others. I'm very laid back. Okay. See how I'm dressed today? If you saw me at the mall, you wouldn't think I was a preacher. And if I told you one, you were like, oh, yeah, he's just one of them little young jokers. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm very laid back. I try to be like Jesus. You know, even at my previous church, they, were known, they, they knew me for wearing shorts and sandals. Okay? Shorts and sandals. And so the one time they let me preach, the congregation member were confused. They were, well, this is the dude to wear the shorts and the sandals. You know, what, what is he doing up here? And, um, and one guy told me. One guy told me that when he saw me get up, he said out of his mouth, he ain't about to say nothing. 
And he said at the end of the service, the Holy Spirit told him, you're embarrassed now, ain't you? So people just do that because they think you're making a mistake. That's all. And remember this. When the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, he doesn't tell your grandmama and your uncle, and he sure enough don't tell your friends and all that type of stuff. And always remember this. When you make a decision, some people will stop you because they would never have enough boldness to make the decision you make. Let me give you another example. I'm going to use Albert and Wanda and then move down the road. Let's say all of you go to a church and you're really not being fed. You sense that something is off and you really don't feel right. What happens is Albert has enough boldness to leave and go join a place. And when he leaves, it makes the other people feel bad. Like, well, why did he leave? Is there something wrong with us? So then Wanda leaves the church and then y'all are thinking, well, now two people leave. What's going on? And then she leaves and then they're like, well, wait a minute, all these people leaving. And so now we got to we either got to leave with y'all or we got to make y'all feel bad about leaving. So we feel comfortable because this is supposed to be the best thing since sliced bread. So if it's the best, because when you see this is how people interpret stuff. When you leave me, you're saying that there's something better than us. So they will try to stop you so that they can feel like they're the best. Y'all, am, I, am I helping y'all a little bit? Yeah. Let's go ahead and roll through this last one. Hmm? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Watch these two things. It's already beginning to happen. Watch two things that happen. When we go on television, watch what happens. We will have a growth problem overnight. So I had to prepare for all this time. When you're on television next year, you have a growth problem overnight. And the bigger we get, the more people will join us faster. Because some people are programmed to determine the strength of the church by the number of people that go there. And as you get bigger, they see it as stronger in income. But when you sit over there with seven members, no. But when we first started, I remember one lady, she went to a huge church. I had one girl. Never mind. <clears throat> I hope I answered that person's question. How do you respond to being in a church that believes in open rebuke in front of the congregation with the participants offenders cooperation? Scripture is used to back this up. Well, it's not much you can do if they agree to it. So, for example, this is an example. She didn't do nothing. Got to use an example. uh, I don't even say her name. She does something. Let's say that she falls into sin. She comes and see me in a counseling appointment about it. And I said, "Okay, well, God has forgiven you, you know, but, you know, you know, Bible says to confess your faults one to another. And we all the scriptures about open rebuke and all that type of stuff, which is usually taken out of context. So, you know, but we're going to have to come on Sunday morning. I'm going to have to tell the congregation. And she agrees to it. Okay, I understand, Pastor. I understand. I'm just so sorry I fell into seeing them. I understand that in order for me to receive my grace back and, and my anointing back and my position back and everything else back, <laughs> I understand that you got to rebuke me. If she agreed to it, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Because she agreed to it, you know. So I was at a church. I can't tell that example either. <laughs> no, I'm telling this one. I'm, I'm telling this one. This is the one we're going to take out, though. No, 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 no. I just saw my wife's face pop up before me. <laughs> Literally, I just saw her face, so no, I can't share it. I saw that just as clear. The Holy Ghost used my wife's face. I can't share that one. But, but, but yeah, it's, you have to be, and, and let me say this. You know, I, you know what I will say this? And I know this is someone I'm talking to. If they want to embarrass you in front of the congregation, you don't have to accept that. That's right. 
if you had to accept it, you know, it's, and, and I know I'm pushing the envelope here, but you choose what you accept. Okay. You choose what you accept. There was a decision I had to make where I was at a particular church and in order to prove my humility, they wanted me to sit on the front row and I had a choice. Even my mama told me not to do it. She full of humility. She Moses' sister. She told me, don't do it. She said, don't do it. I said, Mom, I said, somebody got to operate in some humility here. So I went and I did it. I went and sat on the front row, but I had a choice. I could either say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of in my life, which it was. Or I could say, this is how this man of God operates, and for some reason he needs to see that I'm humble. So I'm going to go over here and sit on the seat. But, so I did that. You know, didn't do anything, but I did that. Still got dismissed, but I did it. So you have to choose what you do to prove yourself to sometimes weak-minded men who need to see certain things instead of things by the Holy Ghost. But the Lord never seeks to embarrass and humiliate you. Only reason why God will embarrass and humiliate you because that's the only way he can save you. That's the reason why. And so I've seen it done both ways. I've seen ministries who... They never seek to embarrass you. They never. They do this in private. They said you are restored. Look, boom. Okay, go about everything as normal. And I've seen ministries where, you know, um, they just do it in front of the whole congregation, and there's no there it, nothing that nothing good comes of that. Nothing good comes of that. Okay. I mean, think about it. She go rob a bank. She robbed a bank last week, and I said, okay, well, we need to let the congregation know that you have to come and confess your sins in front of the whole congregation that you robbed a bank, okay? Lord has forgiven her, and people say, yes, she's restored, but guess what everybody is doing every time she's around? They hold on to their wallets because they think she's the resident bank robber. Watch this. If so happens that money ends up being disappeared, guess what everybody's going to look at first? <laughs> Public and, you know, so I'm, 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 I'm going to come back to some of these next week to do a little bit better job of it. But, um, but you choose what you accept. I did not have to sit on the front row for that man of God. I just decided to. I decided to. Now, looking back on it now, what I know now, I probably would not have done it. I can't tell you what it was for because you wouldn't believe me. It's the only thing my wife thought I lied about our marriage. I, told, I asked my wife yesterday, could I cut off the tape and share what had been done? She said, nope. You can't share that. You got to go to your grave with that one. That's how bad it was. It's the only thing my wife in my entire marriage, it's the only thing when I told her what that man of God did to me and what he said to me, it's the only thing she thought I lied about in my marriage. And she just got over it two years ago, what was done. That's how crazy it was. If I told you, you wouldn't believe it. And I had to lie, this is a crazy thing, I had to lie to the rest of the church because they wouldn't believe me. Only God knows that. You wouldn't believe it. You, I'm telling you, you wouldn't believe it because nobody would believe it. My wife, my own wife didn't believe me. She said, no. She said, what did you really do? She said, because there's no way in the world a man of God would tell you something like that. She said, what did you really do? What are you trying to hide? I said, I'm telling you, I'm not hiding nothing. You wouldn't believe it. Okay. And ministry is suffering as a result of that right now. I always remember this, y'all. Read 1 Samuel chapter 10 all the way through chapter 31. And it's the story of Saul. Saul was anointed king. This is a very powerful lesson. And I'll do this other question and we'll be done. Very popular. So it's, a, it's a great read. First Samuel chapter 10 through chapter 30. Chapter 10 through chapter 30. Great read. It's about how King Saul was anointed king. Mm, mm, mm. I just got another revelation about that. He was anointed king and at, he, he began to disobey God. 
And when as a as a pastor, as a leader, if you keep disobeying God, the presence of God will leave you. And after two years, the prophet, the very prophet that anointed him as king, the Lord said, now go back and remove that anointing off of him and tell him you wouldn't follow me. You're too disobedient. So we're going to take that anointing and we're going to place it on another man by the name of David. So David had the anointing for that man's position while he wasn't in it. And the man had lost the anointing for that position while he was in it. He got fired but stayed in the position for 38 years because when God fires you, you keep your position, but your anointing leaves. How could you tell that? So there's a whole lot of pastors that's been fired, but they still got their position. They still got their church. They still got members and they still preaching, but they have been fired by God. And that's the reason why their stuff does not work correctly. That's the reason why the congregation doesn't feel like they're being fed. That's the reason why it's so much frustration in the congregation. All it is is just a sign. God left. And now you have to build the church. Jesus said, if I build my church, the gates of hell should not prevail. But if you build your church, you'll be left to deal with the gates of hell on your own. And we'll give you a little grace and mercy so that you don't commit suicide. <clears throat> oh Lord Jesus I mean this is a good one clarify if you miss paying your tithes then you must pay double the next time you pay your tithes oh Lord you know he said really, maybe we can start it we're going to start an installment plan the Lionheart Church installment plan for paying back paying back tithes y'all he said with 20% interest y'all let me say something First of all, you have to have your own personal conviction. Now, you know, it's, it's your own, and I can't get into too much detail of that. You know, there, now let me say this. There have been times that my wife and I forgot. Like this morning, Jesus. Mm, 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 that's a shame. I told my wife to give me that money yesterday. She forgot. Then I forgot this morning. Okay. So you can forget, but I, what I'll do is, is that I will double up the next time. Okay, I've done things like that. You know, if you've been on disobedience for six months, how many of y'all think you might just want to do First John one nine? Lord, I repent. Uh, I know that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Can we start this process all over again? Right. <laughs> you know why I say that? Can you name any other sin? And when you realize you've been sinning, you got to pay up double. Is there one? So, yes, you should tithe. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get scared. Sometimes things happen. And we're just like, the only way for me to survive is I got to get this time money. Boom, boom, boom. You got to get past that. You got to learn how to obey God at all costs. You know, but if it's been a period, if it's been a period of time you haven't been doing that, y'all just simply repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I got afraid. I ain't been doing the right thing. And just start over. Don't come up with no payment plan and no scripture that if the thief be found, he got to pay double. That's where they come from. You know, all that type of stuff. Just start doing the right thing again. We do it with every other sin. Lord, I'm sorry. Let me try this again. Nope. When it comes to money, Lord, I'm sorry. Let me try this again. But I need a payment plan to get all of the stuff that I owed you. No, that's preachers coming up with that stuff. Had a guy called me. He said he went on vacation for two weeks and the pastor called him. He thought he was checking him to see if he was enjoying vacation. He was calling to make sure he was coming to Sunday to bring his tithe. Last one. Somebody threw one in at the last moment. I'll make sure I go over detail. Lord Jesus. 
We might not get to this one. I'm going to just read it. Y'all be cracking me up, sending me books. Is there a proper way to leave a ministry if the pastor's wife trying to control everything, but she blames discord on the person, therefore the pastor sees what happens but takes her side? What if you feel that you have been uh, led by the Spirit to a church and you have confirmation to be under that teacher? The pastor is anointing you are truly being fed everything he teaches. You knew it before he preached it. Then to time, the pastor knows your heartbeat and continues to edify the anointing of your life. But the wife comes and counter and opposes everything. That's called the spirit of Jezebel. The edification of the pastor. How do you trust being under that pastor when the two characteristics of the pastor and the wife seem to contradict? Ooh, that's a hard one. I can't even go over that one today. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. Um, well, my wife and I definitely don't flow that way. You know, my, my, uh, my wife and I, just so you all know, we don't do... Um, we don't, there will never be a time at Lionheart Church that I will do something because of my wife. We do what is right. If it means my wife is wrong, if it means I'm wrong, then it's just too bad. Okay, so I don't do stuff because, like, they might talk to my staff, they wouldn't tell you, well, I'm not doing, I'm, I do it well. You know, if my wife said it, then that's just too bad. You know? Do I want to say that? I was proud of a ministry. <laughs> Where if any other congregation members would accuse any minister of doing anything, you were automatically disbanded from that church. Without question, without investigating. I saw a janitor get fired over that. Okay? He heard the minister say something in private that was dead wrong, and it was about the pastor. When it was brought to the pastor, hey, the maintenance man heard one of your assistants say this. The pastor said, fire the maintenance man. Because he got a mentality, you don't question ministers. Mm, I can question God, but I can't question you. I can come to the throne of God boldly to obtain grace, but I got to be intimidated of you because you got a church and a title. And see, the sad part is there are people right now that are part of these ministries and it has sucked the life and destiny out of them. They were called to do great things. You've got Joyce Myers sitting in these churches who just sitting there. You got T.D. Jakes. You got Bishop Oedipos, you got Kenneth Copeland's and Kenneth Higgins. You got all these different type of individuals that were called to do great things and they're waiting on their pastor to co-sign them. And he will never co-sign you because you are his personal slave. And you will sit there and rot your life away waiting on him to call you. And he won't because the anointing left him. And you'll never know that because you can't tell the anointing leaves by numbers. You can only tell by atmosphere. So. Oh, do I have wife according to knowledge? No, it ain't got nothing to do with that. That's talking about understanding your wife. That has nothing to do with running a church. And there are some pastors that they are afraid of their wives. And then you got wives who they have the spirit of Jezebel and they can't be the leader. So they force the husband. They use their husband as a puppet. Then you got some husbands that they have fallen into sin and the wife is blackmailing them. So he ain't going to never put his wife in check because if he does, she's going to stand in the pulpit. You do realize my husband was another man six months ago. Got all this type of stuff going on. And so if you had a church like that, you might want to leave because the church is probably be controlled by the wife and not the pastor. It's called the spirit of Jezebel. And the spirit of Jezebel always seeks out to destroy people who are anointed. She will see you as a threat for the rest of your life. My wife sees nobody as a threat. I don't see nobody as a threat. We're hoping that we got a whole bunch of people that are stronger than us. Go ahead and stand. 
This is the type of stuff, y'all, you can't hardly find this teaching nowhere. And I actually got this message from uh, a guy by the name of uh, John Eckert. Eckert, I think. One of the few apostles that's just legit, solid. Okay, no drama, just laid back. Okay, but this solid man of God, solid man of God. So, all right, we're going to start right there. I'm going to just lead you in a quick prayer right quick. And then we're just going to give God thanks and praise and get up out of here. So, you know, uh, you know, most of us, not all of us, have been a part of this in some type of form or fashion. And, um, and it's made, you know, I can tell when people come from ministries like that because they're, they're nervous even with me and my wife. Because they've been taught, you know, how you're supposed to carry yourself and, and all those things. But, you know, G- Holy Ghost lives in us and Jesus cares for us. And you can approach the throne of God boldly. You ain't got aspirations. You can tr- approach the throne of God boldly. And if that's the case, you're not ever supposed to be intimidated enough. I'm another man. I can't stand with men coming to this place. And this happens every once in a while. When they shake my hand, they kind of do this little thing because they used to being around pastors. You know, I had a guy yesterday, young kid uh, in his 20s. And uh, I and I knew he had never been to a church like this before. And so when he greeted me before service, he greeted me deep, you know, one eyebrow up. I was like, lower that left eyebrow, man. This ain't and I, I know it was he. So he's thinking like that. You know, he's probably like these other guys, reverends. They're real deep and tall. And you got to respectful. And man, that brother sat through the service. When he got back from the altar call, he came down front. He said, man, this is off the chain. I mean, he, his whole demeanor had changed because he saw me minister. He experienced the freedom. He just he because they want the guys watch me and they make a determination like, no, this ain't no preacher. This is a regular dude. And um, and so he was like, man, I would he joined the church, <laughs> joined the church. OK, 20. So uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's really unfortunate. And and this ministry has to be strong because they're going to come after me. Oh, trust me, they're going to come after me. And I will have to have the wisdom to shut my mouth because I have the ability to shut them down. But God won't let me in most cases. Most cases, he won't let me shut them down because I have the ability to. You just have to ignore people like that. They ain't doing nothing. You know what I mean by that? So so we're going to repeat this prayer. This is a prayer to start the process of releasing yourself from what men have said over you. You are equal to any man, equal to any woman. You're not even equal to him. You're equal to Jesus. The Bible says that we are one. Okay. Okay. You are one in Christ Jesus. You are equal to him. Okay, so thank you, Lord Jesus. So repeat this prayer after me. Say, I release myself from the spirit of control that was being used against me to steal my peace, my freedom, and my destiny. God has a plan for me, a great life for me, great blessing and favor for me. And no man has a right to take that away. I cancel every negative thing spoken by other people over me. And I only accept what God says about me. And he said, I'm blessed. I'm healed. I'm rich. I'm forgiven. I'm righteous. I am his child. My path does not get darker and darker. It gets brighter and brighter. My father said he has good thoughts concerning me and no man and no woman can make him change his mind. 
my past mistakes will not prevent me from receiving God's best. And by faith, I receive God's best for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God thanks and praise for that. Father, we thank you. And we bless you. We honor you. We give you glory and honor and thanks, O Lord God. I pray for every person, O Lord God, under the sound of my voice that has been under that spirit. Thank you, Lord God, that you will give them boldness and courage to leave that place, O Lord God, and find a place that has your heartbeat, that has your mind set. Thank you, Lord God, for this message. Thank you, Lord God, that you will supernaturally cause it to fall upon the ears of those who need to hear it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Don't stop recording yet. Hold on a second. I want to add this. So it just drops usually the last thing I'm going to pray. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful to be connected to great men. You know, and this man that I'm connected to, to, this man is no joke. It's a strong man. I'm connected to him because the Lord wants to bring me up to that strength. I'm following someone that's stronger so to bring me up. You all are following me as I follow him as he follows Christ. You know, and he said something that was so powerful. When great men of authority say this, you hold on to it. He said, God never expects you to be at a church that's not feeding you. He never expects you to be at a church that is abusing you. He never expects you to be at a church that's not following the blueprint of God. And you have a right to leave. If that church is not doing the right thing, you don't need God's permission to leave. You leave and then go find a place that you're supposed to be at. And there are so many people that can't make that simple decision because they have a soul tied to a church. And that's the worst thing to have is a soul tied to a church. And that thing has corrupted itself and you stay a part of it. When you stay at a church longer than you're supposed to be there, it is the equivalent of eating spoiled food. Literally, it's the equivalent of eating spoiled food because that place is no longer good for you. You have to leave and go to the next place in your life. You know, so I want to share that. You know, of course, it's not for anybody here, but there are thousands of people who listen to this now. People are joining us more and more from out of state almost every day now. And that's the problem is they are part of these churches and we give them license to do what the spirit of God is trying to get them to do. Sometimes men even need another man to co-sign it. Regardless of what God is telling a person to do, sometimes they need another man or another pastor to say, it is okay for you to follow your heart. Some people will never make a move until then. So, all right, God bless you. Thank you all for coming out on today. I'm glad you all, your questions actually help people on the media page when you ask a question. So I'm going to go over them again. To make sure I don't need to add a little bit to a couple. So we may start the tech series next week after that.